Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 6 of Revelation chapter 18, and we're going to be reading verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And as we were uh, mentioning in our last study, the word hold and the word cage are a translation of the same Greek word, that is also translated as prison. And we went to Matthew 5, 25 and 26, and Luke 12, verses 58 and 59, and saw how God uses that word, which is 5438 in Strong's Concordance, to point to a prison that has to do with making payment for sin. In those two verses I just mentioned, uh, the Lord likens himself to an adversary that must be agreed with quickly, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge give thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison, where you will remain until you pay the utmost farthing, or the last mite, and two mites make a farthing. So, prison is a place where a penalty is exacted. And that's what Judgment Day is. Judgment Day is God punishing the unsaved. Why is God punishing the unsaved? Because they have broken his law. They have transgressed the law of God. And the Bible declares that when you break the law of God, the wage is death. The penalty is death. And so God has brought judgment upon the world beginning on May 21, 2011, and when he shut the door of heaven, ending his salvation program, he brought the world into a condition of death. The unsafe people of the world, for all intents and purposes, were slain on that day at the beginning point of Judgment Day and, and all throughout this period of time as their spiritual condition has not changed. And that's what God tells us in Revelation twenty-two eleven that the unjust will be unjust still and the filthy will be filthy still and the unsaved will be unsaved still is what that means. And those that are killed by that action because a guaranteed they will be destroyed, or will remain spiritually slain until God literally destroys them with an actual destruction at the conclusion of this prolonged day of judgment. And, and, and so the uh, world has been brought into the prison, the prison where God is carrying out the penalty 
that the law demands. He is bringing the cup of his wrath and punishing the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And uh, so that's part of the reason why God says that Babylon, which is the kingdom of Satan of this world, upon its fall, is become the habitation of devils and the hold, and again, hold is prison, and the prison of every foul spirit and a cage or a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, just as hold and cage two different English words, or a translation of the same Greek word, so too are the word foul and the word unclean. Two different English words, but a translation of the same Greek word. And the Greek word is normally translated unclean. It's Strong's number 169. And let's look at a few places where this is used. Beginning... In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then go to Mark chapter 1. And I'll start reading in verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Jesus, in healing the man with the unclean spirit, was giving an illustration of salvation, like all the healings of Christ when he would grant sight to the blind and ears to the deaf or or uh, a mouth to the dumb. It They all typified salvation. And so casting out unclean spirits is a picture of salvation. In Mark chapter 5, it says in verse 2, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And then going down to verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And uh, again, this is another illustration of salvation as the uh, demoniac, as he's called, is 
cleansed from these unclean spirits, he follows the Lord. And uh, when a man is in his sins, it is as though he is possessed with an unclean spirit. And when the unclean spirit is cast out, and salvation does cast out the unclean spirit, because God gives the one he saves a new heart and a new spirit. And and so our spiritually dead soul is resurrected, and we now have a living soul. We have the Spirit of God within. And, and, and so it's actually a very good illustration as God speaks of those with unclean spirits as typifying the unsaved. In Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 20, And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child, And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. Now remember the same Greek word in Revelation 18.2, translated as foul and the same Greek word is translated as unclean. And, and here it is in verse 25 of Mark 9, translated as a foul spirit. And, and it, it means unclean. He rebuked the foul or the unclean spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore. And came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. So here we have this young man uh, who had the unclean spirit uh, rising as though from the dead. And uh, this goes into a little bit more deeper spiritual picture as the young boy was his father's only son, so in a sense it points to Christ. But still it's an illustration of someone with an unclean spirit that rises, and and that's what the casting out of the spirit typified. It's a picture of salvation. Now, uh, the Lord even goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 5, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So, to have an unclean spirit cast out points to salvation. But what if the unclean spirit is not cast out? Well, then you remain unclean. Or, 
as Revelation 22.11 puts it, you remain unjust or filthy. And what God has done in our verse in Revelation chapter 18, verse 2, at the point of Babylon's fall, which occurred at the end of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 2011, Judgment Day began, and the Babylon, the kingdom of Satan of this world, falls and has become the habitation of devils and the hold or prison of every foul spirit or unclean and a cage or prison of every unclean and hateful bird. That is, this world now is turned into a prison in which the righteous judge, God himself, has cast all those that failed to find agreement with him. That is, they had no savior. Christ did not make payment for their sins. And now they must pay for themselves unto the utmost farthing, or the last might, and they are cast into the prison of the wrath of God. And and by the way, remember how God spoke of Satan's binding at when when he was bound at the cross um, in Revelation chapter twenty. He says in verse. 2 of Revelation 20. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. The bottomless pit is like a prison. And the bottomless pit is a language that God uses in in Revelation 9 and other places to speak of the condition of hell. Satan was in the condition of hell, and, and he is in a prison. He was bound, um, he, he was laid hold of and bound, and then held in that bottomless pit for a figurative thousand years. Now we know it was like a prison because God says in verse 7 of Revelation 20, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And the, the word prison is our same word translated as hold or cage. And that means Satan was punished at the cross. It was a form of punishment to be bound. Of course, it wasn't a complete punishment upon him. And and he was held prisoner for a thousand years, the thousand pointing to the completeness of that particular judgment upon him. Of course, there's more additional judgment for Satan, which would include his final destruction. But just as that sentence upon Satan was a thousand years, or for the completeness of the period of his binding, God, it very much appears, has 
pronounced a 10,000-day sentence upon the unsaved inhabitants of the world. The majority of the sentence had to do with those that are called by his name, as judgment began at the house of God for 8,400 days. But then God expanded the judgment to include all the world, and there is that strong likelihood that at the end of the 1,600-day period, on the 10,000th day, God will complete the judgment on the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, on those unsaved in the church, and on those unsaved in the world, and therefore they have been placed in prison, in a, in again, in a figurative sense. It's actually the condition of being under the wrath of God until the completeness of the sentence is carried out, and the sentence goes 10,000 days, as well as the Lord has used the number 40. In 1600 days, which breaks down to 40 times 40. And remember how uh, God speaks of a judge administering stripes in the book of Deuteronomy. In chapter 25, it says in verse 1, If there be a controversy between men, they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them. Then they shall justify the righteous, and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face, according to his fault, by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him, and not exceed, lest if he should exceed, and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. So, just as 10,000 days points to the completeness of judgment, the Lord has also set a limit to the the amount or the degree of wrath that can be meted out. You cannot exceed 40 stripes. And, and God does speak of judgment day as a time when there there are those that have identification with him. Um, they receive many stripes, and those that have no identification with God or less receive few stripes. But stripes are administered to point to the wrath of God being applied to the unsaved of the earth. And when we have a number like 1,600 to represent the duration of judgment day. And in that number, there is 40 times 40. It's as though God took um, great care not to go beyond 40. That This would be the utmost of 40, we would say. It, it is uh, 40 times 40. And, uh, of course, it's just a, a type and a figure. But it's as though God is emphasizing that his wrath is not going more than or beyond 40. So the 1600 is also, in a way, the most wrath or the severest penalty that God could 
justly a minister. And God is very concerned with justice. That's why Romans 2.5 speaks of the righteous revelation of the judgment of God. It's a righteous revelation of God's judgment. And his judgment is carried out to the point of the law. It does not exceed the law in, in any way or violate the law. It is in perfect accord with the law of God. It is the fullness of the penalty of God's wrath. Well, uh, we, we can see how God, in speaking of a fallen world, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, why does God say that? We we understand that man is unclean. Every unclean individual, God said, shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And man in his sin certainly is unclean. And so we, we understand that mankind has an unclean spirit that um, desperately needed salvation. But now it's judgment day. And the day of salvation has ended. And, and so... All those that are unclean remain unclean. But why does God speak of every unclean and hateful bird? Remember, this is the Bible, and God uh, really set a pattern or established a pattern in the Old Testament that that uh, we've noted before, and theologians have called it Hebrew parallelism, where God will make a statement, and then slightly reword it and and restate it. And the first part of the verse will make a statement. The second part of the verse will say the same thing using different language. And that appears to be what God is doing here. And that's why the use of the same word prison, translated hold or and cage, and the same word unclean. The Babylon, the fallen Babylon is... Uh, the prison of every foul spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. And just as foul spirit points to unsaved mankind, so does unclean and hateful birds point to unsaved mankind. Well, how can we show that? Well, let's go back to Leviticus in Leviticus 11. And there God speaks about unclean birds. In Leviticus chapter 11, and beginning in verse 13. And these are they which ye shall have in abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination, the eagle, and the ostrich, and the osprey, and the vulture, and the kite after his kind, every raven after his kind, and the owl, and the night hawk, and the cuckoo, and the hawk after his kind, and the little owl, and the cumorant, and the great owl. And and it goes on to mention a few more birds. But there God speaks of these as unclean birds. 
Now there we have similar language to our verse in Revelation 18.2. Every unclean and hateful bird, of course the word hateful is added, but but we have unclean birds here, just as we had unclean birds mentioned in that verse. And in Acts 11, if you remember, God um, revealed to Peter that the Gentiles were to be partakers of the gospel just like the Jews. That there was no difference, Jew or Gentile, and, and, and God was no respecter of persons, that he would have mercy and save uh, either one. And God revealed this to Peter by giving him a vision of unclean animals. And we read in Acts chapter 11, in verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And then in verse 7, I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. And then God goes on to say what he has cleansed, Call not thou common or unclean. And so the unclean animals, including the birds, the fowls of the air, represented the Gentiles, or the people of the nations of the world. And they also were to hear the gospel. The gospel was not to be held back from them. And so uh, with that, we can see that as God is speaking of Babylon, a representation of this world, and he says uh, that it, it, it's the time of the fall of Babylon, it's the day of judgment, and Babylon now becomes a prison for every unclean spirit or foul spirit, an unclean and hateful bird. Unclean birds, as we see here in Acts 11, can represent unclean men, people of the world, the Gentiles. And and that would explain why it's a hateful bird, because what is the world's, what is man's um, attitude towards God, toward his word, toward the people of God? They hate the kingdom of heaven in all of its aspects. That's why God said, marvel not if the world hates you. And, and, and so the unclean and hateful bird is pointing to the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And that also helps us to understand Isaiah 13, that we looked at uh, previously, and Isaiah 34, two chapters in which the judgment of the world is laid out. And remember in both places, after speaking of the day of the, the wrath of God, for instance, in Isaiah 34, 8, for it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion, it leads into 
um, verse 10 and 11, and shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the Camorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. Verse 13 says it will be a habitation of dragons and a court for owls. Verse 15, there shall the great owl make her nest and hatch and gather under her shadow. There shall the vultures also be gathered, everyone with her mate. Every unclean and hateful bird dwells in the world under the judgment of God. It is judgment day upon the unsaved, the unclean in spirit. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.